Chapter 9, verses 30 through 50 of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Mark, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 30 through 37. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed amongst yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child, and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Theophylact. It is after miracles that the Lord inserts a discourse concerning his passion, lest it should be thought that he suffered because he could not help it. Wherefore it is said, And they departed thence, and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples, and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. Bede, he always mingles together sorrowful and joyful things, that sorrow should not by its suddenness frighten the apostles, but be borne by them with prepared minds. Theophylact, after however saying what was sorrowful, he adds what ought to rejoice them. Wherefore it goes on, and after he is killed, he shall rise the third day, in order that we may learn that joys come on after struggles. There follows, and they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. Bede, the ignorance of the disciples proceeds not so much from slowness of intellect as from love for the Savior, for they were yet carnal and ignorant of the mystery of the cross. They could not yet therefore believe that he whom they had recognized as the true God was about to die, being accustomed then to hear him often talk in figures, and shrinking from the event of his death, they would have it that something was conveyed figuratively in those things, which he spoke openly concerning his betrayal and passion. It goes on, and they came to Capernaum, Pseudo-Jerome. Capernaum means the city of consolation, and agrees with the former sentence, which he had spoken, and after that he is killed, he shall arise the third day. There follows, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed amongst yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Matthew ever says, that the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The reason is that he did not begin the narrative from its commencement, but omitted our Savior's knowledge of the thoughts and words of his disciples, unless we understand him to mean that even what they thought and said, when taken away from Christ, was said unto him, since it was well known to him as if it had been said to him. It goes on, for by the way, they had disputed amongst themselves who should be the greatest. But Luke says that the thought entered into the disciples which of them should be the greatest. 
for the Lord laid open their thoughts and intention from their private discourse, according to the gospel narrative. Pseudo Jerome, it was fit also that they should dispute concerning the chief place by the way. The dispute is like the place where it is held, for lofty station is only entered upon to be quitted. As long as a man keeps it, it is slippery, and it is uncertain at what stage, that is, on what day it will end. Bede, the reason why the dispute concerning the chief place arose amongst the disciples seems to have been that Peter, James, and John were led apart from the rest unto the mountain, and that something secret was there entrusted to them. Also, that the keys of the kingdom of heaven were promised to Peter, according to Matthew. Seeing, however, the thoughts of the disciples, the Lord takes care to heal the desire of glory by humility. For he first, by simply commanding humility, admonishes them that a high station was not to be aimed at. Wherefore it goes on, and he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. Jerome where it is to be observed that the disciples disputed by the way concerning the chief place, but Christ himself sat down to teach humility, for princes toil while the humble repose. Pseudo-Chrysostom, the disciples indeed wished to receive honor at the hands of the Lord. They also had a desire to be made great by Christ, for the greater a man is, the more worthy of honor he becomes, for which reason he did not throw an obstacle in the way of that desire, but brought in humility. Theophylact, for his wish is not that we should usurp for ourselves cheap places, but that we should attain to lofty heights by lowliness. He next admonishes them by the example of a child's innocence. Wherefore there follows, and he took a child, and set him in the midst of them. Chrysostom, by the very sight persuading them to humility and simplicity. For this little one was pure from envy and vainglory, and from a desire of superiority. But he does not only say, If ye wish become such, ye shall receive a great reward, but also if ye will honor others who are such for my sake. Wherefore there follows, And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of these children in my name receiveth me. Bede. By which he either simply shows that those who would become greater must receive the poor of Christ in honor of him, or he would persuade them to be in malice children, to keep simplicity without arrogance, charity without envy, devotedness without anger. Again, by taking a child into his arms, he implies that the lowly are worthy of his embrace and love. He adds also in my name, that they might, with a fixed purpose of reason, follow for his name's sake, that mold of virtue to which the child keeps, with nature for his guide. And because he taught that he himself was received in children, lest it should be thought that there was nothing in him but what was seen, he added, But whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Thus wishing that we should believe him to be of the same nature and of equal greatness with his father, Theophylact, See how great is humility, for it wins for itself the indwelling of the Father, and of the Son, and also of the Holy Ghost. Verses 38-42 through 42. And John answered, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, 
because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. Bede. John, loving the Lord with eminent devotion, thought that he who performed an office to which he had no right was to be excluded from the benefit of it. Wherefore it is said, And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. Pseudochrysostom. For many believers received gifts, and yet were not with Christ. Such was this man who cast out devils. For there were many of them deficient in some way. Some were pure in life, but were not so perfect in faith. Others again contrarywise. Theophylact. Or again some unbelievers, seeing that the name of Jesus was full of virtue, themselves used it, and performed signs, though they were unworthy of divine grace. For the Lord wished to extend his name even by the unworthy. Pseudochrysostom. It was not from jealousy or envy, however, that John wished to forbid him who cast out devils, but because he wished that all who called on the name of the Lord should follow Christ and be one body with his disciples. But the Lord, however unworthy they who perform the miracles may be, incites others by their means to believe on him, and induces themselves by this unspeakable grace to become better. Wherefore there follows, but Jesus said, Forbid him not. Bede, by which he shows that no one is to be driven away from that partial goodness which he possesses already, but rather to be stirred up to that which he has not yet obtained. Pseudochrysostom, in conformity to this, he shows that he is not to be forbidden, adding immediately after, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. He says lightly, to meet the case of those who fell into heresy, such as were Simon and Menander and Cerinthius, not that they did miracles in the name of Christ, but by their deceptions had the appearance of doing them. But these others, though they do not follow us, cannot, however, set themselves to say anything against us, because they honor my name by working miracles. Theophylact, for how can he speak evil of me who draws glory from my name? and works miracles by the invocation of this very name. There follows, for he that is not against you is on your part. Augustine, we must take care that this saying of the Lord appear not to be contrary to that, where he says, he who is not with me is against me. Or will any one say that the difference lies in that here he says to his disciples, for he that is not against you is on your part. But on the other he speaks of himself, he who is not with me is against me. As if indeed it were possible that he who is joined to Christ's disciples, who are his members, should not be with him. How, if it were so, could it be true that he that receiveth you receiveth me? Or how is he not against him who is against his disciples? 
Where then will be that saying, He who despiseth you despiseth me? But surely what is implied is that a man is not with him in as far as he is against him, and is not against him in as far as he is with him. For instance, he who worked miracles in the name of Christ, and yet did not join himself to the body of his disciples, in as far as he worked the miracles in his name, was with them, and was not against them. Again, in that he did not join their society, he was not with them, and was against them. But because they forbade his doing that in which he was with them, the Lord said unto them, Forbid him not, for they ought to have forbidden his being without their society, and thus to have persuaded him of the unity of the church. But they should not have forbidden that in which he was with them, that is, his commendation of the name of their Lord and Master by the expulsion of devils. Thus the church Catholic does not disprove in heretics the sacraments, which are common, but she blames their division, or some opinion of theirs, adverse to peace and to truth, for in this they are against us. Pseudo-Chrysostom, or else this is said of those who believe on him, but nevertheless do not follow him from the looseness of their lives. Again, it is said of devils, who try to separate all from God, and to disperse his congregation, there follows, for whosoever shall give you a cup of cold water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Theophylact, not only will I not forbid him who works miracles in my name, but also whosoever shall give you the smallest thing for my name's sake, and shall receive you, not on account of human and worldly favor, but from love to me, shall not lose his reward. Augustine, by which he shows that he of whom John had spoken was not so far separated from the fellowship of the disciples as to reject it as a heretic, but as men are wont to hang back from receiving the sacraments of Christ and yet favor the Christian name, so as even to succor Christians and do them service only because they are Christians. Of these, he says, they shall not lose their reward. Not that they ought already to think themselves secure on account of this goodwill which they have towards Christians without being washed with his baptism and incorporated into his unity, but that they are already so guided by the mercy of God so as to attain to these and thus to go away from this life in security. Pseudo-Chrysostom, and that no man may allege poverty, he mentions that of which none can be destitute, that is, a cup of cold water, for which also he will obtain a reward. For it is not the value of the gift, but the dignity of those who receive it, and the feelings of the giver, which make a work worthy of reward. His words show that his disciples are to be received, not only on account of the reward, which he who receives them obtains, but also because he thus saves himself from punishment. There follows, and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believes in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea, as though he would say, All who honor you for my sake have the reward. So also those who dishonor you, that is, offend you, shall receive the worst vengeance. Further, from these things which are palpable to us, he describes an intolerable torment, making mention of a millstone, and of being drowned. 
and he says not, let a millstone be hanged about his neck, but it is better for him to suffer this, showing by this that some more heavy evil awaits him. But he means by little ones that believe on me, not only those who follow him, but those who call upon his name, those also who offer a cup of cold water, though they do not any greater works. Now he will have none of these offended or plucked away, for this is what is meant by forbidding them to call upon his name. Bede, and fitly the man who is offended is called a little one, for he who is great, whatever he may suffer, departs not from the faith, but he who is little and weak in mind looks out for occasions of stumbling. For this reason we must most of all look to those who are little ones in the faith, lest by our fault they should be offended, and go back from the faith and fall away from salvation. Gregory, we must observe, however, that in our good works we must sometimes avoid the offense of our neighbor, sometimes look down upon it as of no moment. For in as far as we can do it without sin, we ought to avoid the offense of our neighbor. But if a stumbling block is laid before men, and what concerns the truth, it is better to allow the offense to arise, than that the truth should be abandoned. Gregory, mystically by a millstone, is expressed the tedious round and toil of a secular life, and by the depths of the sea the worst damnation is pointed out. He who therefore, after having been brought to a profession of sanctity, destroys others, either by word or example, it had been indeed better for him that his worldly deeds should render him liable to death, under a secular garb, than that his holy office should hold him out as an example for others in his faults, because doubtless if he had fallen alone, his pain in hell would have been the more tolerable. Verses 43 through 50. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the hellfire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith shall ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Bede, because the Lord had taught us not to offend those who believe on him, he now, as next in order, warns us how much we should beware of those who offend us, that is, who by their words or conduct strive to drag us into the perdition of sin. Wherefore he says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Chrysostom, he says not this of our limbs, but of our intimate friends, whom, as being necessary to us, we look upon as our limbs, for nothing is so hurtful as mischievous society. Bede. That is, he calls by the name of hand, our intimate friend, of whose aid we daily stand in need. But if such an one should wish to do us a hurt in what concerns our soul, 
he is to be driven away from our society, lest by choosing a portion in this life with one who is lost, we should perish together with him in that which is to come. Wherefore there follows, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to enter into hell. Gloss. By maimed he means deprived of the help of some friend, for it is better to enter into life without a friend than to go with him into hell. Pseudo-Jerome. Or else it is better for thee to enter into life maimed, that is, without the chief place for which you have wished, than having two hands to go into eternal fire. The two hands for high station are humility and pride. Cut off pride, keeping to the estate of lowliness. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Then he introduces the witness of prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, saying, Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He says not this of a visible worm, but he calls conscience a worm, gnawing the soul for not having done anything good. For each of us shall be made his own accuser, by calling to mind what he has done in this mortal life, and so their worm remains forever. Bede, and as the worm is the pain which inwardly accuses, so the fire is a punishment which rages without. Whereby the worm is meant the rottenness of hell, by the fire its heat. Augustine. But those who hold that both of these, namely the fire and the worm, belong to the pains of the soul, and not of the body, say also that those who are separated from the kingdom of God are tortured, as with fire, by the pangs of a soul, repenting too late and hopelessly, and they not unfitly contend that fire may be put for that burning grief, as says the apostle, who is offended and I burn not. They also think that by the worm must be understood the same grief, as is said, as a moth destroys a garment and a worm wood, so grief tortures the heart of man. All those who hesitate not to affirm that there will be pain, both of body and soul, in that punishment, affirm that the body is burnt by the fire. But although this is more credible, because it is absurd that there either the pains of body or of soul should be wanting, still I think that it is easier to say that both belong to the body than that neither, and therefore it seems to me that Holy Scripture in this place is silent about the pains of the soul, because it follows that the soul also is tortured in the pains of the body. Let each man therefore choose which he will, either to refer the fire to the body, the worm to the soul, the one properly, the other in a figure, or else properly to the body, for living things may exist even in fire, in burnings without being wasted, in pain without death, by wondrous power of the Almighty Creator. It goes on, If thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Bede. A friend is called afoot on account of its service in going about for us, since he is, as it were, ready for our use. It goes on, and if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched.
A friend who is useful and anxious and sharp in perception is called an eye. Augustine, here truly it appears that they who do acts of devotedness in the name of Christ, even before they have joined themselves to the company of Christians and have been washed in the Christian sacraments, are more useful than those who, though already bearing the name of Christians, by their doctrine drag their followers with themselves into everlasting punishment, whom also, under the name of members of the body, he orders as an offending eye or hand to be torn from the body, that is, from the fellowship itself of unity, that we may rather come to everlasting life without them than with them go into hell. But the separation of those who separate themselves from them consists in the very circumstance of their not yielding to them when they would persuade them to evil, that is, offend them. If indeed their wickedness becomes known to all the good men with whom they are connected, they are altogether cut off from all fellowship, and even from partaking in the heavenly sacraments. If, however, they are thus known only to the smaller number, whilst their wickedness is unknown to the generality, they are to be tolerated in such a way that we should not consent to join in their iniquity, and that the communion of the good should not be deserted on their account. Bede. But because the Lord had three times made mention of the worm and the fire, that we might be able to avoid this torment, he subjoins, for every one shall be salted with fire. For the stink of worms always arises from the corruption of flesh and blood, and therefore fresh meat is seasoned with salt, that the moisture of the blood may be dried off, and so it may not breed worms. And if indeed that which is salted with salt keeps off the putrefying worm, that which is salted with fire, that is, seasoned again with flames, on which salt is sprinkled, not only casts off worms, but also consumes the flesh itself. Flesh and blood, therefore, breed worms, that is, carnal pleasure, if unopposed by seasoning of continence, produces everlasting punishment for the luxurious. The stink of which, if any man would avoid, let him take care to chasten his body with the salt of continence, and his mind with the seasoning of wisdom, from the stain of error and vice. For salt means the sweetness of wisdom, and fire the grace of the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, every one shall be salted with fire, because all the elect ought to be purged by spiritual wisdom from the corruption of carnal concupiscence. Or else the fire is the fire of tribulation, by which the patience of the faithful is proved, that it may have its perfect work. Pseudochrysostom. Similar to this is that which the apostle says, and the fire shall try every man's work, of what sort it is. Afterwards, he brings in a witness from Leviticus, which says, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Pseudo Jerome, the oblation of the Lord is the race of man, which is here salted by means of wisdom, whilst the corruption of the flesh, the nurse of rottenness, and the mother of worms, is being consumed, which there also shall be tried with the purgatorial fire. Bede. We may also understand the altar to be the heart of the elect, and the victims and sacrifices to be offered on the altar are good works. But in all sacrifices salt ought to be offered, for that is not a good work which is not purged by the salt of wisdom from all corruption of vainglory and other evil and superfluous thoughts. Pseudo Chrysostom. 
or else it is meant that every gift of our victim, which is accompanied by prayer and the assisting of our neighbor, is salted with that divine fire, of which it is said, I am come to send fire on earth, concerning which it is added, salt is good, that is, the fire of love. But if the salt have lost its saltiness, that is, is deprived of itself, and that particular quality by which it is called good, wherewith will ye season it? For there is salt which has saltiness, that is, which has the fullness of grace, and there is salt which has no saltiness, for that which is not peaceful is salt unseasoned. Bede, or the good salt, is the frequent hearing of God's word, and the seasoning the hidden parts of the heart with the salt of spiritual wisdom. Theophylact, for as salt preserves flesh and suffers it not to breed worms, so also the discourse of the teacher, if it can dry up what is evil, constrains carnal men, and suffers not the undying worm to grow up in them. But if it be without saltiness, that is, if its virtue of drying up and preserving be gone, with what shall it be salted? Pseudo-Chrysostom. Or according to Matthew, the disciples of Christ are the salt, which preserves the whole world, resisting the rottenness which proceeds from idolatry and sinful fornication. For it may also be meant that each of us has salt, in so far as he contains in himself the graces of God. Wherefore also the apostle joins together grace and salt, saying, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. For salt is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was able to preserve the whole earth, and made many to be salt in the earth. And if any of these be corrupted, for it is possible for even the good to be changed into corruption, they are worthy to be cast out. Pseudo-Jerome, or otherwise, that salt is saltiness which loves the chief place, and dares not rebuke of others. Wherefore there follows, have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. That is, let the love of your neighbor temper the saltiness of rebuke, and the salt of justice season the love of your neighbor. Gregory, or this is said against those whom greater knowledge, while it raises above their neighbors, cuts off from the fellowship of others. Thus the more their learning increases, the more they unlearn the virtue of concord. Gregory, he also who strives to speak with wisdom should be greatly afraid, lest by his eloquence the unity of his hearers be thrown into confusion, lest while he would appear wise, he unwisely cut asunder the bonds of unity. Theophylact, or else he who binds himself to his neighbor by the tie of love has salt, and in this way peace with his neighbor. Augustine, Mark relates that the Lord said these things consecutively, and has put down some things omitted by every other evangelist, some which Matthew has also related, others which both Matthew and Luke relate, but on other occasions and in different series of events. Therefore, it seems to me that our Lord repeated in this place discourses which he had used in other places, because they were pertinent enough to this saying of his, by which he prevented their forbidding miracles to be wrought in his name, even by him who followed him not together with his disciples. End of chapter 9